Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to our first reading, Exodus chapter 20, the Holy Law of God, and reading for our text, the fourth commandment, that is from verse 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days shalt thou labour, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through to 11. One of the Ten Commandments. Now you will have noticed in the hymns that we have sung and the last one we will sing, that it is pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ as the great antitype of the Sabbath, a rest in Christ. This is a beautiful truth that is set forth in the word of God. Instead of the toiling and labouring that the Israelites had for six days and then they could rest, Under the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has finished the work. He has accomplished the salvation of his people. And that finished work is where we begin our week on the Lord's day. And then the remainder, we work out that which the Lord has wrought in. But the day remains, a Sabbath day and a keeping of Sabbath remains to the people of God. It is set forth in Hebrews. And why I have given out our text as from the law is because it is this commandment that in our day and generation is oft laid aside as being a, a commandment that can be Forgotten, the others can't, but this one, well, it doesn't apply anymore. In the days of our hymn writers, Joseph Hart, Gadsby, and those that wrote the hymns that we've seen today, there was no question in those assemblies and really generally through the land as to the keeping of the Sabbath day. And we are very thankful in our denomination that generally It has been, and still, for the most part, we hope is, that the whole day is kept uh, separate unto the Lord. Indeed, if we were to read, then I'll read it to you, the 1689 Confession, Baptist Confession, on the Sabbath day. We read this, The Sabbath day is kept holy to the Lord, by those who, after the necessary preparation of their hearts and prior arranging of their common affairs, observe all day a holy rest from their own works, 
words and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations and give themselves over to the public and private acts of worship for the whole time and to carry out duties of necessity and mercy. So reads the 1689 Baptist Confession. And yet we find today that many will just keep the Lord's Day with just one service and then the rest of the day they live as for this world. And the Lord's Day is not kept. The churches, the chapels are empty. Men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And the sad thing is that this is amongst those that profess to fear God and profess to be a Christian. I want to put this perhaps in a, a bit of a, a personal uh, context. When I was young, when I was unregenerate, then the Sabbath day was a very irksome day to me. I didn't like it. I wanted to be doing all the things in the week. I had to go by my parents to the house of God, but I sat in the house of God, and I say it to my shame, using that time to shut out the word and to plan all that was going on in the week. So what we've read in the Baptist Confession, though I couldn't be doing uh, works, Yet my thoughts were about worldly employment and recreation. And so I tried to use the time and really was breaking the Sabbath all the time. When the Lord called me by grace, it was one of those things that the Lord made a great difference in. Not only did he bring me to have an aching void that this world could not fill, and to give me to be drawn after Christ. But he made this world to be a vanity and vexation of spirit. And I remember at work we changed the hours of work from 40 uh, down to 37 and a half hours a week. I was working as a design engineer in Australia. And at that time I was still training and going to night school. And the firm decided that they would make one day a month to be a day that we had off instead of reducing our hours. So we still work 40 hours a week, but one day a month we'd have off. And they decreed that day should be the Monday. Well, I did not want it Monday because I had night school that night. It meant I couldn't have a full day off because I'd have to go arrive up past work and to night school. I tried and tried to get it changed to Friday and they refused to do it. But you know, I proved that was appointment of the Lord. There was many times the Lord blessed my soul on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day. And on the next day, I so desired and really I had another, another Lord's day, a day when I didn't have to go to work a day when I could continue in the things of God. And if we are truly blessed by the Lord, we love his company, we love the word, we love his people. And when we get to the end of the Lord's day, when we have to return on the Monday to our labours, 
then it is sometimes with a heavy or a sad heart there's going to be another eight days before we can again meet together. And I believe this, that where our souls are healthy, and I haven't sadly remained in that sweet frame, and I really desire to, to walk in that. And for the Lord's people, really every day we are to seek the Lord. But some have changed it and they said, well, the Sabbath is, is no more. There's no one day, there's no special day. You worship the Lord all the time and every day. And therefore there's no time away from the world. There's no day that everyone in the community, the church, can gather together around the word. And really, to me, it just bespeaks people that though they may have a name to live, yet the world is their home. They're not looking for heaven. They don't desire to come apart and rest a while. When our Lord brought the disciples, there was much coming and going, and he said, come ye apart and rest a while. It wasn't worldly rest. It wasn't worldly employments. They sat and they heard his word. And we have this reflected then in the confessions and I believe it is something where it needs to be reaffirmed to us regularly and to counter the spirit, not just of the world, but of the church in our present day. And so I wanted to trace with the Lord's help going uh, from the creation right through the, the law uh, to our Lord's teaching, which we read in Matthew, uh, and and then the, the types and what is set forth uh, as a time. And of course, my contention is that uh, the one day in seven as a holy, hallowed day is of perpetual obligation. It continues for the people of God. So I want to begin... Uh, going back to the uh, creation in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and where we read from verse 1 Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And so we have this, not only a day of rest, where God rested, but it was sanctified, it was set apart. And the reason why it was set apart was because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Remember, this is the literal creation. This is the creation of the heavens and the earth. It is a work of God. And may we remember that the greater work of God and work of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ is the work of redemption. Keep that in mind as we go further on especially the reason here. This is a day because God has rested from all his work. 
Think of the works of creation, the work of our Lord Jesus Christ in redemption upon the cross. It is finished. Then we have the law of God. And this is where we read and this is where I've taken for our text. It is the longest commandment. And again, it goes back to the creation. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it, hallowed or sanctified, made it a, a, a holy day. And this then is incorporated in the Ten Commandments, that which stands not just for the Jewish nation, but which stands uh, forever. The Lord came not to destroy the law, he said, but to fulfil it. What is interesting that even before the law was given uh, upon Mount Sinai, the children of Israel were uh, given the manna that they were to have miraculously from heaven. And you can read of that in Exodus 16. And in that chapter we read how the manna was to fall every single day upon the ground. And yet when it came to the sixth day, there was to be twice as much manna. Every day they had not to store it up to the next day, it had to be fresh. But on the sixth day they were to store it up because on the seventh day there was to be none. They were not to be gathering their food on that day of rest. And so that came to pass. It was a miracle that God not only gave the manna but withheld it on that day or gave twice as much the day before. And there were those that despised it, those that went out to gather, they found none. And the Lord was angry with them. And that is recorded even before it was set forth in the commandments. And we are told that the law was given, the law was there right from Creation. The law was given to Adam, but there is no sin is not imputed when there is no law. It needs to be written down. And the law was given that all the world might be brought in guilty before God. And we need to need to remember that. By the law is the knowledge of sin. What? By nine commandments is the knowledge of sin? No, by ten commandments is the knowledge of sin. And many, many a testimony over the years have been heard of those who've uh, made profession of faith and they've been brought under conviction because they have broken the one day in seven. They've used the Lord's day for their own labours and not given it to the Lord, breaking of the Sabbath. And so uh, we, we, we cannot, we, there's no reason of thinking, well, the Lord has given this commandment that has more space in the Word of God than any other. It, it possibly is referred back to in more times than others. It goes back to creation and it's reaffirmed here, and we have the uh, further reaffirming in the 31st uh, chapter of 
Exodus as well, and verses you know, 16 and uh, or 15 and uh, 16, or from 14 actually, where again the Sabbaths are reaffirmed, and it was in this case, it is for Israel especially that they should observe their Sabbaths in their generations. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And uh, the, the, the chapter finishes with the two tables of testimony written with the finger of God being given. And of course, the first ones were broken. The second tables, the two tables were written by God and they were laid up in the ark, a real reminder that our Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law and made it honourable. But no one would say, well, because Christ has fulfilled the law, we can now kill each other and we can now hate our brother or we can cover. We wouldn't plead a exemption from observing the law of God uh, because the Lord has fulfilled it. How shall we sin that grace might abound? And so we have also blessings that are set forth upon the uh, observance of the law. This is given to the children of Israel, especially in Isaiah's day. And Isaiah was beautiful uh, teacher really of the gospel in Isaiah 56 we read of course if you trace it through Isaiah 53 is our Lord's sufferings and death Isaiah 54 is the church of God singing that was barren and now it's breaking forth into singing um, chapter 55 is the gospel here oh, everyone that thirsteth come ye to the waters and then there's the blessings of the gospel in 56. And it would have been a wonderful thing if the eunuch being blessed by Philip had gone on his way still reading through Isaiah and he would have got to 56 and read the blessing on the eunuch. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. And it goes on, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs, that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And these things were dealt with as well by Nehemiah. But before we pass on from that, we think of at the end of Isaiah 58, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the honourable of the Lord, the holy of the Lord honourable, and shalt honour him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken in. And when they came back from captivity in Babylon, we find Nehemiah dealing with those that were trading on the uh, Sabbath day and chastening them for it and forbidding 
the gates to be open on the Sabbath day. And so there is a continuance right through the history of Israel. And then we come, of course, to the passage that we read of our Lord Jesus Christ, where in Matthew 12, he was accosted as they went through the corn on the Sabbath day and his disciples were plucking the ears of the corn. We find in the New Testament the severity of the old is not there. The woman that was taken in adultery, whereas Moses commanded that she was to be stoned, yet the Lord said, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. The severity upon the transgression was taken away, but not the commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, Go and sin no more. Repentance, a turning away from it. So we have again here with the Sabbath, the severity is taken away. The man that was caught gathering sticks on the Lord's, on the Sabbath, that was then stoned to death, this did not apply anymore, not the severity. But our Lord in this passage, he doesn't say, well, what are you talking about the Sabbath? We, that this is to be done away is not to apply but he applied it as we read in the uh, confession that there are to be acts of mercy they already were plucking their sheep out of a pit if it fell in a pit and yet they couldn't see the inconsistency that they wouldn't allow our Lord to heal someone on the Sabbath day of course there are those that would say well uh, we, 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 we don't really want to keep the Lord's Day or one day in seven for the worship of God so we're going to spend the whole day and we're going to do works of charity we're going to work for a charity or some will make sure that they become a nurse and every uh, Sabbath day they, they will make sure they're on duty instead of trying to get some time for for worship. Uh, and so really the whole spirit, it is the spirit of the one day in seven that allows for, indeed requires, mercy and uh, compassion to be shown on that day. But it is a day, as our Lord says in, math, in, in Mark, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It is a day for him, for his blessing, so that he, without uh, being troubled with things that need to be done, and I've felt this so many times myself, you, you can see to read the Word of God in the week, and we do regularly, but you can easily have Satan coming and saying, well, there's this got to be done and that to be done. You've got to turn aside to this and that. But when it comes to that one day in seven, and I say the Lord's day, then we can say uh, to the devil, depart. This is not your day. This is not my day. It's not for the things of the world. It's for the things of God. It's for my soul. It's for me to enjoy the things of God for my soul. So what happened then? 
when our Lord rose from the dead. We said right at the start that in the creation ordinance it was because God had finished all of his work. And we find when the Lord rose from the dead, he rose on the first day of the week, the day after the Sabbath. Those that were coming to anoint him, they rested, they prepared the spices, but they rested on the Sabbath day. They didn't say, well, this is a reason we can break the Sabbath day and we can go and anoint our Lord at the grave. No, they rested on that day. And it's perhaps a reminder to us because I think that there will be many that will say, well, we're going to visit a cemetery or we're going to do these sort of things on, on, on the Lord's day. And you think of those dear women and how much they loved the Lord uh, and, and yet they rested, they waited until it was a day that was not the Lord's but theirs to go and anoint him. Just a thought there. But the Lord rose from the dead then, on the first day of the week. Very, very significant. The work of God in redemption, the work of our Lord was finished. He had risen from the dead. And it was on that day that the disciples were gathered together in the upper room. It was on that day the Lord appeared to them. He blessed them and favoured them. And just to make it reinforced, we find that Thomas was not there with them and he had to wait another eight days, that is, to the next first day of the week. And then the Lord visited them again. And so it's emphasised that this would be so. And it was with the early church as well. Of course, when the apostles went forth, at first they preached on the uh, Jewish Sabbath, because that's when the people were gathered together in the synagogue. But when they had preached the Lord Jesus Christ, then they went back through, established the churches, which were then meeting on the day that the Lord arose. And we find that their, their practice, uh, when the Paul uh, wrote to the Corinthians regarding the collection of the saints, he says that they were to put it in order so that he says upon the first day of the week that every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. And there's a reference to the first day of the week that they were gathering together. When Paul was at Troas, we read, upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, that is the Lord's Supper, Paul preached unto them, and this was the time when the young man fell down from the loft. And so the practice of the early church was to meet on the day that the Lord rose from the dead. I go back to that reason given right of the creation, and it was that God had finished his work. One day in seven. It seems a thing very strange to me that there could be those that claim to be Christian that would then say, well, actually, in the New Testament... We don't have one day that we may worship the Lord. Churches are established, but 
who knows half the congregation might be working on that day and besides what day if if it's not the first day if it's not the sixth day then then no day and to think that in the day when the gospel is so clearly proclaimed clearly set forth and where it is so evidently uh, that we are to gather together not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is it requires that there be a day when generally there is not that requirement to work and although the Lord's Day or the Sabbath Day Sunday has been eroded in great ways uh, in, in a way the Lord has overruled it uh, maybe from the I know in Melbourne when there was a talk of opening up trading on the Sunday and it didn't happen only in just a very limited way and it wasn't because of the submissions by the churches it was because of the sporting community they wanted the day for pleasure. They wanted a day when they did not have to work, that they could have their sports and recreation. And because of that, it didn't go ahead. Well, the word says, men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Shall the lovers of sport be granted their day? And yet God's people say, we don't want it. We, we, we will join them with their sport. We will join them with the pleasures, we join them with work, but they're so little attractive in the Lord and in his people and in his word that we, we, we can't bear to spend a day, a day with the Lord. From my own experience, I know that speaks of a very dead and very carnal and worldly soul, a soul that gives no evidence of preparation for heaven. It's holding the world holding it with both hands and really professing its rest is here below. We have in the uh, first chapter in the Revelation, the first mention there, or the uh, one important mention of the Lord's Day. John says that I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And it is a beautiful title that we could testify that this is the day that the Lord hath made and we rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord's day, the day the Lord arose and the day that we would seek to worship him and give him the honour and glory due unto his name. I want to think then of the types that we've sung of some of them uh, of the uh, Sabbath. We read in Hebrews 4 and if we read from verse 8 for if Jesus, that is Joshua had given them rest that is when they went into the land of Canaan then would he not afterward have spoken of another day there remaineth therefore a rest or in the margin or keeping of a Sabbath to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works 
as God did from his. Let us labour therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fail or fall after the same example of unbelief. And so we have the times. We have the time of our Lord's finished work. Our Lord testifying, he came not to destroy the law, not to disannul it, but he came to fulfil it. And as we have stated in the Old Testament, it was a covenant of works with all of their sacrifices, the amount of labour and work that went into that. They had to labour during the week, but then at the end they could rest and they could then worship the Lord. But when our Lord has come, he has finished the work. There is no more need for any further sacrifices. The ceremonial law is finished that pointed unto Christ. Christ has fulfilled the law in that way. And when he has shed his precious blood, he has then died and risen again. And that work of redemption is done. He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. The theme that runs through all of Paul's writings and Peter's, especially Paul to the Galatians, is that they are not saved by the works of the law, but by the works of faith, and the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the condemnation to the Galatians was that they were saying on one hand they were saved by Christ, but on the other hand they wanted still to continue in the law with the circumcision. Now the apostle didn't say to them, now you be careful, there's not just circumcision, don't you dare have one day in seven, don't you keep that because then you'll be under the law and not under Christ. He doesn't at all. He deals with the ceremonial law and he deals with the fulfilment of the law in the Lord Jesus Christ in that we now rest first. We rest in Christ. We believe he has finished the work. He doesn't need us to do it. It's not works of righteousness which we have done. It's works what he has done. And we have that first. We gather together first. And then the remainder of the week we work out. They are the fruits. A great, great difference between uh, the same works that are done with the thought we're going to earn heaven by them and those same works that are done with no thought of any merit or earning but just out of love to the Lord and obedience to him. And it is through the gathering together that as iron sharpeneth iron so the countenance of a man his friend, and that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and the strengthening of the disciples, and the being with the Lord and with his people, that we honour the Lord, and we truly bless him for that work that he has finished and done at Calvary. So the one day in seven, it is that time of our Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary and in the Gospel. It is also that continuing of a day of rest in not now 
the Jewish Sabbath, but the Lord's Day. Called the Lord's Day because the Lord arose on that day. Because the early church observed that day when they gathered together. It is also a type of heaven, the same as Canaan was a type of heaven. And we know that here below it is toil and trouble and sorrow. There remains that rest in heaven. And it is a blessed thing for the people of God to anticipate heaven. Participate when they shall be completely done with all here below. No more earthly pleasures. No more work and labour and toil. No more striving against sin and Satan. But forever with the Lord. Here below we have a gospel rest in Christ. In me you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. In heaven we have a heavenly rest, eternal rest. And it is the foretaste of it here below that really, I believe, makes a real stamp as to the reality of our faith and how much we have been weaned from this world, chosen out from it, come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you, ye shall be my sons, And my daughters, uh, saith the Lord Almighty. You might say, well, how how do we observe the Lord's day? I believe if our spirit is right, like we had in the uh, Baptist Confession, there is a making provision. You think on the the Saturday, uh, preparing the meals so that there's not as much work to be done. There's differences among us. Some will never cook anything. Some will just have cold meals. But the spirit is the same, to minimise what needs to be done. And if we're having a cooked meal, then it is that all the preparation is done before and it's done so easy can be heated up and done. Uh, Minimum, uh, washing up, cleaning up, If your car's got to be filled with petrol, it's filled the other day before. Make sure you don't have to buy things on the Lord's Day. Sometimes there'll be emergencies. Sometimes there'll be times we would have to uh, do those things. But they are the exception rather than the rule. It is a day for the Lord, not for ourselves. And so it is, again, with worship. Uh, The confession states the whole day, again and again it does. And it seems to be a thing, especially today, that it is only just part day. Just one service and that an hour and, and the rest of the day is just given to our own pleasure. And how, how can one argue to be spiritually minded and to love the Lord, his people and heaven and yet they cannot leave the world, cannot leave its pursuits, cannot leave its pleasures, cannot spend a time with the Lord. One day in seven, the Lord, that is all the Lord says. The rest is yours, this is mine. But men will say, no, we want yours as well. We want to use your day as well. And 
There's many things. Sometimes it's very hard. The amount of travelling I've done and, and going over to Tasmania from the mainland many, many times. I think there was only one time the, the only way of getting back was to go on the Lord's Day. And I remember it because I felt how wrong it was. And yet that time I had to, to do it. And sometimes it is very difficult not to include the, the Sabbath, but uh, it should be our real desire to make our plans so that wherever we are, we can have it a day that we rest from worldly uh, obligations and pursuits and to spend that day for the edification of our souls and our families and our rest, rest of our bodies as well. That is God's provision that we should have one day to, to rest our bodies and our minds and to feed upon the word of God and to worship him, to give it for worship and to praise of almighty God. And may it truly be a, a means of, of trying our state and that we must be honest with ourselves as to how we really are for eternity, how much this world is our home, how much we've been weaned from it and how much we really delight in the Lord. And uh, I trust my desire would be to go back to those early days when I, I loved that time in the Lord's house and would spend a second day if I was able to. And yet we grow cold and worldly and far off. But if we are rightly exercised, our desire will be that we might have those little heavens upon earth and desire to be with Christ and that eternal uh, rest in heaven. Well, may the Lord bless this word. May we not ever treat this part of the Ten Commandments just as irrelevant, but may we see how it has gone from the sixth to the uh, first day, uh, or seventh day to the first day of the week, and it is the Lord's Day, it is the Christian Sabbath. I've had those who profess that are Christians uh, speaking in a very deriding way. There is no such thing as a Christian Sabbath. There is, it is scriptural. It is where those that are a true follower of Christ and his disciples will have a Sabbath, a day of rest, a day of worship, a holy day, recognizing the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.